Welcome to the BPAC and Muscle Maven show. It's another Q&A because people seem to, people are responding, right? Like you more than me? Yeah. Come on. <laughs> I think people are enjoying the Q&A. I know I'm very much enjoying the Q&A. Like I'm listening to them and I have a hard time sometimes listening to any podcasts that have my voice in them. And I just, I feel like I'm so lucky that <laughs> I get to have basically a weekly call with Ben Bukulski asking you questions, talking about my own stuff. No, it's just- oh, gosh. Thank you very much. <laughs> you don't need it. Your calves are big enough. No, but I appreciate coming back every week. And I appreciate too that people are being really responsive yeah. on social media because we're getting a lot of interesting questions and some questions that are reoccurring. So I want to get into that. But you've got a busy like sort of six weeks coming up. Do you want to talk a little bit about any of the travel or stuff that you've got going on? Sure. I, I don't know how soon this podcast is going to come out. But yeah, so I'm off today, actually, the day of recording off to London to do uh, the Health Optimization Summit, which I'm really excited about and a little bit nervous about because it's a whole new niche for me, right? And it's kind of the niche that I want to dive into, this idea of integration of muscle and body and mind and this piece that I've kind of been foraying into lately with the podcast, not just about, hey, let's get as big as possible. Mm -hmm. It's like, hey, how can we do this in an intelligent way that integrates the mind and integrates health? So I've been doing a lot of research lately, like more than normal, just because I want to go there and have, you know, kind of carve my own niche, right? So you're going to have all these people that show up that are experts in their field. And, you know, I could show up and talk about muscle, but everyone in the room is not going to give a shit about muscle. So I'm trying to talk about things that are interesting, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so I literally meditated on, okay, who's going to be in that room and what's going to be their need and how can I contribute in the greatest way? So I've been really just researching on, you know, how to use exercise, whatever it is, as a means of increasing consciousness, as a means of improving cognitive function, as a means of improving the integration of mind, body, and breath. And that is kind of the main focus of the talk. And there's not a lot of people talking about that. And I think it'll be a really interesting integration of what I do with some of the things that I'm interested in. So heart variability mm. and stress and sleep and, and all these things that I often talk about on the podcast. So that's happening the week after I'm in Manchester doing a three-day clinic, a three-day camp, I guess. So we've got a great group of people attending three days of muscle building mastery, myself and Dr. Jordan Shallow. Everything you need to know about building your body, whether it's getting strong or getting muscle, you're going to get out of that camp. And we don't dive too much into nutrition. So the second half of Sunday, which is the final day, is Ben's day to go out and rant about whatever he wants. And that's usually people's favorite part. Yeah, that's everybody's <laughs> favorite part always, the rants. Because <laughs> we, get, we get into the esoteric stuff and it's interesting. And I often usually end up shouting and being a little profane because I get excited about it. But it really comes down to like teaching people what to focus on, right? You know, everyone has so many things being thrown at them on a daily basis. But that Sunday is really like, hey, if you actually want to do this, if you actually want to build a body you love and a life you love, here's what you should focus on. And, and the first thing is focusing on focus, mm. which is not often what I say, but that's the big takeaway is you got to practice focus. And nobody often talks about this reality that we have an attention span at seven seconds and decreasing. And if you can't focus on one thing, you can't do anything well, right? You can't have mm -hmm. a great relationship because you're not focusing on your spouse. You can't have a great business because you're not focusing on your work. You can't be a great employee or employer. You can't have a great physique. You know, you, you can't learn like everything is focused. So practicing focus and whether that's in meditation or I use exercise as a means of practicing focus, right? Or sometimes I move, I use anything as a means of practicing focus, but learning how to single-mindedly or single-pointedly focus on one thing. Mm -hmm. I think you're popular everywhere because you're Canadian and 
the Canadians are the best, but you have a really, a really big and sort of enthusiastic community in the UK, which I think is interesting. Do you have any insight as to why that is? Because I'm cool? Yeah, I mean, obviously you're cool, but there's lots of <laughs> Canadian know, talent I- that doesn't necessarily translate, oh, you know, across <laughs> the pond, but yeah. And again, I'm not going to offend anybody, but I think it may just be that they tend to value education a little bit more. Mm. You know, Australia as well. I find Australia and the UK tend to be my biggest, most loyal following. And obviously, there's people throughout the US and Canada who are very loyal students, I guess. Mm -hmm. But UK and Australia tend to be the biggest demographic for that just because I think they value it the most. They value an intelligent approach to anything the most. And that's why this conference Mm -hmm. in London, Health Optimization Summit, is extremely well uh, received and sold out and the speakers are amazing like I'm walking on stage with people that I've been looking up to for mm-hmm. 10 years you know so it's pretty awesome yeah that's perhaps mm-hmm. the insight you know every time we do a camp in, in London sells out anytime a camp in Australia sells out you do them in the US and Canada you usually get people from like 45 minutes away who send you an email and go hey when are you gonna do one in my town and we're like hey man I'm doing one over there but yeah but when are you gonna do one in my town you know whereas mm-hmm. in my gym here in Tampa like people will fly from Australia people will fly from South Africa people will fly from New Zealand people will fly from all over Europe South America to do the camp but the guy from Orlando which is an hour away will go hey man when are you coming to Orlando so <laughs> I mean maybe just the entitlement mentality in North America well if North Americans if all you entitled North Americans are listening and you want to challenge this assertion, then you should talk to Ben on social media and convince him to have a workshop in your town. Because I do think there's plenty, and you know this too, there's plenty of people in North America who are interested in learning and in doing it intelligently. And we just need to mobilize these people and get them to your workshops. Totally. And maybe it's just because, you know, there's the, maybe the population is greater in North America. So the accessibility information is higher. Mm-hmm. I really don't know. You know, maybe there's people just used to not having to go anywhere, right? Like we're very spoiled. We're very spoiled. Okay. If I want to go to the gym, it's a block away. If I want, like, it's just, everything's close. And I had a roommate in university from New Zealand and he blew my mind when I would wake up in the morning and he would be gone. And I'd come back after a class and he would be, uh, he would come back after me. And uh, I'm like, dude, where'd you go? He goes, oh, I went to school. I'm like, well, what time did you leave? You leave at six. And I'm like, well, how'd you get there? I, I walked. Well, how long was the walk? Uh, hour and a half. Why did you walk an hour and a half to class? Well, why wouldn't I walk an hour and a half to class? Why wouldn't you just drive or take a bus? Well, why wouldn't I walk an hour and a half to class? And I go, oh, he goes, so yeah, man, that's what we do. Like if we get up in the morning and we have to go somewhere, he's like, we just plan and we walk and we make sure we're moving everywhere. And my brain at the time was just like, why the hell would anyone do this? Mm-hmm. Um, but now I'm like, oh, I get it. It's just a cultural thing, right? I grew up in, you know, if I have to go somewhere, I need to drive. If it's three blocks, we're driving or we're taking a bus or, yeah. you know, and it's different. So I think that may just all kind of tie in. Yeah. And it's true too that, I mean, we are very lucky people living in Canada and living in the United States. And it's hard sometimes, I think we've talked about this a little bit before, but to have gratitude and appreciation for what we have when we've always had it. And the more you have access to, the more entitled you can become even despite yourself. Like I like to think that I make a concentrated effort to be grateful every day and to realize what I have and to to input purposefully challenge and extra movement and extra thought and extra work into my day because I know how easy I have it, right? And I think back to living in New York. I'm there kind of, I'm back and forth, but there were times when I was living there all the time. And, you know, I got used to the fact that I could get Ethiopian food at two in the morning, a block away whenever I wanted to. And that if I wanted to, anything could be sent to my apartment and I'd never have to leave. I just had access to everything. I mean, New York is like even more so than anywhere else in North America in terms of getting whatever you want, whenever you want. 
And when I came back to Canada, which I'm Canadian, I love it. I'm proud to be Canadian. And I was like, what? I can't have like every single thing I want within walking distance at any moment of every day. Like this is bullshit. And you have to like check yourself. Look how lucky I am to be living in Canada, but I don't have 50 different types of protein bars at the local GNC. I only have 30, like, you know? So I think we have to be really, really conscious about- How did you learn that, Ash? Is that something that your parents instilled in you or is that something you learned over time? I mean, I do think I had good parents who taught me that even if you're in a position where you have your basic needs met, that if you want more than your basic needs met, you better work for it. And you have to prove that you're competent and able to do that. So I think I had a good upbringing that way. But I think also, I mean, maybe it's just because I'm lucky to be in an industry where I'm surrounded by people who will always have access to more and they'll be more successful and have more money and a bigger platform and all of that stuff. So I'm like, I need to work harder. I can't just rest on the fact that I have it pretty good. You know, like I have a lot of tools at my disposal and I need to use it if I want to make a difference and if I want to grow and be a better person. So there's weeks and months where I don't think like that. And I, I coast and I have an easy life and I kind of feel shitty about myself and I work harder again. Something that we should create is this accountability, right? It's like, are you doing these basic things every day? Are you doing these basic things every week? And mm-hmm. a friend of mine and I are creating this 30-day notebook almost like a workbook to where everyone's got journals and stuff but like are you able to check all these boxes every day and we're going to give you you know daily meditations and daily Hmm. uh, affirmations and and daily things just things you should do on a day-to-day basis to um you know optimize your life and as simple as that right is did you meditate did you do your gratitude did you do your walk and Mm -hmm. you know and as much as those sound trivial to a lot of people as you say like it's very easy to do you know jim Rohn said this and I, i steal it from him all the time it's very easy to do and it's very easy not to do. And the people mm-hmm. that succeed are the ones that do and the ones that fail or don't succeed or struggle are the ones that don't do. And it's so easy, right? It's just this little minutia mm-hmm. that nobody focuses on. And that's the difference is you have to put a little bit of weight in it, like you're saying. Yeah. And it's the little things every day that make up what your life is. Like you're yeah. going to London and you're doing these talks and that's a big deal. And you got up on the Olympia stage and that's a big deal. But like, it's the every day, how you treat your family, how you work, how you move your body, how you eat. It's those little things that make up your life, not the big things. So oh, yeah. I think that's, yeah. It's good that people can focus on that. When's this book going to be available, this workbook thing? I don't know, but it works. I'm just finishing that thought. It starts with how you treat yourself, right? And I think the way you treat others is a reflection of Mm -hmm. how you treat yourself. And that's the foundation of this podcast, right? Is like learn to love yourself, learn to love your body. And, and, you know, as a man saying that, most people go, oh, dude, come on, like, man up. Got to have acceptance of yourself and you got to truthfully learn to love yourself. And to be honest, I'm not there all the time, right? Like there's always times where I'm like, man, and I catch myself Mm -hmm. with that internal self-talk. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Like that wasn't there before. Where'd you come from? And you have to just learn to accept everything about you and be honest and be happy with it as you're given this amazing gift of a body and a life. And, you know, to be grateful for you is the foundation of everything. I literally talk about this concentric circle idea, right? Where you start with the things that are closest to you. And most people, when they start their gratitude, start with the things outside of them that are closest to them. But how about the things inside of you that are closest to you, right? So it's literally starting and I'm thank you that I'm healthy and I thank you that I've got the ability to breathe and I've got, you know, a strong body and I've got, you know, the ability to access the food that I have. And I'm thankful for the city that I live in. And I'm thankful for the sun. I'm thankful for my kids. And, you know, like walking through and I always I literally say, I'm so thankful for, I'm so thankful for, I'm so grateful for. And I walk through it and you start to feel it. And if anyone doesn't do that, I strongly suggest, and it's not just like going through it in your mind and saying, oh, I'm, I'm Ashley and mom and 
whoever, like it's got to be, I'm so grateful for Ashley. I'm so grateful to be able to do this podcast. I'm so grateful for my daughter. I'm so grateful for my son. I'm so grateful for my whatever, right? Just walking through that list and and you'll start to feel it. The word gratitude is, Mm -hmm. you know, intellectually an emotion, but it's also a feeling. It's like this feeling that can be generated in your body. And I talk about this all the time where if you can generate the feeling of gratitude, at will, you in life, because you can't be grateful and pissed off at the same time. If I can practice the ability to generate gratitude mm-hmm. in my meditation, in my morning ritual, well, now I can do it in a second because my body remembers how to do it. Just like doing a bicep curl or a squat, my body remembers how to do it. If you do it often enough, all of a sudden, anytime I go into a situation where I'm stressed or I'm angry or I'm you know disappointed or whatever, I can go... I'm so grateful that I'm able to be here. I'm so grateful for this opportunity. I'm so grateful that I have legs. I'm so grateful that I have the ability to speak and think and mobilize my body. And you know, there's so much, just so many deep layers. And uh, I think that ability is literally a superpower. And I think everyone should practice and everyone should teach their children this stuff, man. Because like kids in this day seem to be very overwhelmed and stressed, right? And, and who knows why? I think it's an environmental thing. I think it's the fact that they never get challenged. They never discover who they are because you need challenge to discover who you are mm-hmm. and these teenagers who just kind of are handed everything and it's okay to get a you know a ribbon for seventh place and so you never learn who your character is right you never learn like oh shit i saw myself failing there and it persisted you don't develop that inner confidence that comes from challenge this is a bit of a rant but i think man superpower and i'm so glad you brought that up the ability to be grateful Ben's rant of the day came out. We didn't know if we were going to get one today, but it did. And it was a positive (laughs) one. I really think that that's actually an extremely profound thing to focus on, though. What you said, you can't be grateful and pissed off at the same time, is so good because it's so effing true. Like, I'm thinking it in my head as you're talking. Like, you can be proud of yourself and still kind of hate parts of yourself. And you can be happy, but still a little bit anxious underneath. Like, you can have all these conflicting emotions, but you truly, in the moment that you're sitting here listening to this podcast, if you are truly grateful for your life, you cannot be pissed off at the same time. It's true. That's amazing. It's so simple, but it's so amazing. And like you said, if we can all just kind of learn to work these moments, these little moments of gratitude into our life every day, it's a cumulative effect and we're all going to be happier and better off for it. So it's literally shifting your chemistry too, right? Because people think it's like esoteric, like, oh, I have to be grateful. It's woo. No, it's shifting your biochemistry. You're creating a different hormonal sequence inside your body. A different hormonal cascade that allows you to feel different, right? So right now you're a combination of hormones and electrical activity in your brain, and this is your default mode, right? This is where your body tends to exist. And to shift it, it's about the little moments, right? People think it's about the 20%, but we know it's about the 80%. So and 20% of the time that we focus on these mm-hmm. big things, I'm like, oh, we're doing my good workout today and I'm I'm walking and I'm eating all this good food and yeah, great. But what about all the other shit in between that you're not thinking about, right? All the time when your mind just wanders. And so if you really want to change your life. It's about the little stuff. And this is, you know, I use this phrase all the time. It's, you know, the way you do anything is the way you do everything. I use it with my kids all the time. And you got to pay attention to Mm -hmm. the minutia, the way you sit, the way you speak, the way you breathe, your emotions all the time. Can you anchor positive, happy, grateful emotions? And gratitude is the easiest one because it's tangible. You can feel it. You can learn to be grateful for anything, right? So that's, to me, the easiest one. And I think if people really want to shift their life, the minutia of stuff is like pay attention. It starts with consciousness and then it starts, then it progresses to like, can I be mindful of being grateful? That's always the progression. Mm-hmm. 
I love it. I love how this is going already. Um, okay, let me see if I can segue. This is not about muscle, Ash. What's the matter? You're not doing a good job. <laughs> it is about muscle still too, but let's see if I can do this segue. I'm the queen of segues. Speaking about chemicals and chemical processes, one of the questions that you're getting asked all over the place on social media, and actually I was asked on Instagram too, but I don't know enough about this. I'm going to defer to you. Peptides. We got to talk about peptides. Everybody's interested in peptides. Peptides aren't chemicals, right? So peptides are peptides. So what is a peptide? So a protein when ingested or that exists in your body can exist as an amino acid or as a peptide. And a peptide is a different sequence of amino acids. So you've got, you know, these 20 amino acids that ultimately can form any different sequence. And sometimes they're, you know, three in length and sometimes they're a hundred in length, but that's a peptide. So every different peptide can code for a different um, activity, let's say, in your body to simplify this. So, or a different enzyme or a different protein or a different hormone or, you know, some type of different process. And so, by isolating these things, scientists have been able to say, hey, well, this process is governed by this peptide. Or when this gene goes through transcription, it produces this peptide. And this peptide elicits this response in the body. So, you know, there's hundreds, if not thousands now of peptides that have been accurately identified. And now scientists are trying to say, well, if I take this supplement exogenously or this peptide, whether it be orally or um, injection, we can potentially elicit that response or maybe upregulate that response and make it happen more often or potentially make it happen less often. So that's what peptides are. And it's this naturally occurring internal thing that we're looking at manipulating. And I think it may be the next frontier of health optimization if the government allows it, right? So right now it's not illegal. It's not legal. It's gray. And there's no classification by the FDA. But I've been informed by the powers that be that we've got five years. They're like, five years, you're done. But at this point, if someone was interested and wanted to learn more and experiment with them, do they have to go through their doctor, I'm assuming, at this point to get them? Yeah. If you want to do it correctly, you find a good functional medicine doc or a good doc who's up to date with like current medicine. They can prescribe you particular ones. There's mm -hmm. many around mm -hmm. North America. There's many around Europe, I'm sure. But there's also places you can buy it online and it's not illegal. I don't always recommend that, but you can do it if you want to experiment and do some research. And they seem to be generally regarded as safe. Uh, again, I'm experimenting with some, so I'll give you guys kind of an update on what I'm doing. I've got five peptides that I'm doing right now because sometimes they seem to work best in synergy, right? So I've got five and uh, I'll give you the rundown. So we talked in a previous Q&A about my uh, telomeres being... I'm an old man at heart. I've, I've reversed it. But now I'm doing this peptide called epitalin, and I may not be pronouncing that correctly. I've heard people call it epitalon. I've heard people call it epitalin. And I don't know the mechanism perfectly, so I won't speak of it. But uh, it's been suggested to allow the reversal of telomeres. So it's maybe acting on telomerase. I'm not quite sure. So I'm experimenting with 10 days of 10 milligrams a day for 10 days. Uh, to see how I feel, how it looks. I've seen some pretty crazy visual changes in people, like people who look like they're aging, probably what would have been 30 days. So you do the 10-day protocol and apparently it continues to work after that. You're supposed to do 10 milligrams for 10 days in a row every six months. It's been the suggestion. And I've seen people like literally shift in their vibrance and their wrinkles go away. And you know, so that's super interesting. So I'm experimenting with that. I actually just did my last injection this morning. I've done 10 days, so you guys can all be the judge if I look amazingly radiant. Um, take a cute selfie today and post it on Instagram so you can see how few wrinkles you have. All right. Do I have to wink and do like a hip hop too? 100%. All right. Yep. 
and combining that with something called thymusin A1. So thymusin A1 is there's a bunch of those like TB500 and thymulin and all these things are kind of of the same families and I don't know how to differentiate them. But thymusin A1 has been suggested to kind of be this like cellular reset. So anyone who's going to do peptides, the suggestion is to do this thymusin A1 first. And again, mechanistically, I'm not even going to dive into it. But if you guys want to learn more about this stuff, Dr. Seeds is the guy to learn from. Dr. Dan Stickler is another amazing guy who I'm actually going to have on the podcast this week or coming soon. Those would be the guys to learn from. So epitalin or epipitalon and thymusin A1 combination. You can you don't have to do them like at the same time or anything, but during the same period is suggested to almost have this like whole body reset. So that's, you know, the one little combination. The other combination I'm experimenting with, and I just started this one, so I haven't seen any results yet, is uh, ipamorelin and tesamorelin. So one is an GH releaser and one is a GH secretagogue. So one causes your pituitary to create more GH, the other one causes it to secrete GH. So the suggestion is this stuff is exponentially greater than human growth hormone supplementation because you're using your body's own production. Anecdotally, I've seen some improvements in sleep. I've seen some improvements in mental clarity and I feel great pretty much all the time. I actually have been Mm. sleeping less lately, but I've been sleeping well and feeling really good during the day. So hopefully that's working well. As far as body composition, again, I've only been doing it for four or five days, so I haven't really seen much of a shift. That's honestly the reason I'm doing it because I'm, you know, with the amount that I'm writing and my kind of guilt around not spending enough time with my kids, I spend more time with my kids. So I've been training a lot less and my body composition's going to shit. So I was like, all right, time to pull this back in, time to start training again, throw in some GH secretagogues and see what happens. So, and the final one I'll wrap up is um, BPC-157. So I've added BPC-157 in also as kind of the cellular rejuvenation tool. So decreasing inflammation, helping tissue recovery, and also probably the best thing in the entire world right now for gut health, improving leaky gut. So you can take BPC-157 injectable or you can take it orally and taking it orally will significantly heal the gut. Apparently the best thing ever to heal the gut. Three days, your gut's healed, so I'm told. The other ones are all injection. I forgot to mention that. So, Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because some of us still aren't super pumped on injecting stuff, even if it is awesome, healthy stuff that's going to make you feel better. I'm not into it. it. Is that something that... So it's an insulin needle. It's a 30 gauge and that doesn't mean anybody, but it's so small. Like it's it's you know, you could probably barely feel it. But is it, do you, do you see this or, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure as emerging research and it becomes more popular, they're probably going to come up with more palatable ways for people to take these things. But currently so. most peptides, why is that? Do you think like, why is this one BPC-157? Because the gut would break it down. So, well, the reason you want BPC-157 to take it early because you're trying to get it to it work on the gut. It works in the right? gut, yeah. yeah. Okay. The rest right. of the gut would break it down. And so maybe sublingual. There's some people who are experimenting with sublingual. Okay. But I can't see it working any other way. What yeah, about like, short of doing it rectally or something? I, I don't know. I mean, some people might prefer that to a needle. <laughs> people really hate needles, man. Um, yeah, I know. I get it. So do I, to be honest. As, as ironic as that sounds. What about expense? Like, are these crazy expensive right now? Epitalin, Epitalon and Thymusin A1 will, for like the 10 day run, cost you 300 bucks. Epimorelin and Tesmorelin will cost you. So the suggestion for those is obviously to do it longer and do it daily. I didn't say dose on those. So the suggested dose is 100 milligrams a day of Epimorelin mm-hmm. and one milligram a day of Tesmorelin. That will cost you for 30 days, I don't know, maybe 300 bucks again. So my total kind of yeah. month run will be 600 bucks. Uh, yeah. Okay. 
what's the idea in terms of like cycling or how often you need to do this? Because I think about like the anti-aging one. It's like people are getting Botox, which seems like a grosser way to get rid of wrinkles than this. I mean, personally, but it's still something that, you know, you pay a few hundred dollars, it lasts a couple months, then you're back where you started and you need to keep it up. Do you know what the cycle situation is with this one? Yeah, I'm not an expert. I don't want to even make a suggestion or have people think that I'm suggesting it. Um, Mm. But so with Epitalon and the Thymosin A1 every six months, so 10 days every six months, you know, maybe more often, but it is a big expense. So that's why I think the people who are the scientific advisors will say, well, as long as you do it every six months, you'll get the benefit. And there may be a benefit from doing it every three months. I don't know, but, you know, we're probably still in testing phases for this stuff. Whereas the test Merlin, apparently you can kind of do it perpetually. And I wouldn't suggest doing anything perpetually, but, you know, maybe it's a three month on a three month off is what I've heard Dr. Stickler say. Uh, I believe so not to quote him, but I believe it's a three month on three month off protocol. You know, anecdotally, I've seen some amazing results from people, visual significant differences from people that I know or that I have seen that who have admittedly like, hey, I've gone through this test Merlin, Merlin stack. So again, I'm not an advocate, but if you guys want to hook up with Dr. Stickler or I'm going to get him on the podcast again soon. And if anyone has questions for him, you guys can just fire them into Ash on Instagram mm-hmm. and we'll make sure we collect those because- I know these things are very interesting and I actually want to start kind of pulling some more questions from the audience because I want you guys to be involved and I think it's cool that you can ask questions to these experts as well. I actually considered, I know this is maybe a pipe dream, but I considered doing some podcasts live, right? So actually having you getting on a Zoom and having other people listen live and then at the end of it, opening it up to, you know, 10 questions or something from the audience. And maybe that's something we'll, we'll talk about doing in the future, but it sounds like an interesting thing that I think people would be interested in. I love that idea. I will come down to Tampa and we'll get out in the sunshine and then do a live Q&A. I think that's great. Just finishing up on the peptides conversation for now, like you definitely had me at less wrinkles. So I'm very interested in learning more about this. If that's your interest, Ash, GHK is one that is a topical that you can put it directly in your face. And apparently it's exponentially Mm -hmm. better than Botox as far as health and no negative health implications, except for uh, the fact that it's bound to copper. And taking in too much copper can potentially exacerbate uh, cancer. So if you have cancer, maybe don't do it or just talk to your doctor about it. But uh, GHK is one that uh, not a growth hormone thing. I don't know. It's like the glycine something. It's, it's the peptide that apparently topically is just crazy mm-hmm. for, for healing sunburn and healing any type of skin mm-hmm. issue. GHK apparently is just next level. So there's one other interesting compound that I'll, I'll mention that I've just mentioned to you before we get mm-hmm. on. It's called DHH, um, dihydrohinocchial. And I've been doing it for about five days and a super interesting compound that most people don't know about. I'm going to hold off on giving you guys the report. But at some point in the future, Ash and I will talk about, you know, once I've been able to do it for a few more days and actually quantify with my aura ring, um, if it's actually making a difference. So for some reason this, this morning, I, I wasn't able to quantify it. my aura ring wouldn't update, but um, I was hoping to give you guys an update. Mm. But um, next time. Yeah, I'm very interested in that one. One, one last question too, because um, my friend keeps asking me to ask you this. <laughs> so um, it's, about peptides. it's about peptides. Right. I know this is such like unethical, but anyway, um, what about peptides for like soft tissue recovery? recovery post-surgery. Sure. Well, BPC-157 BPC yeah. is top for tissue healing okay. and TB-500 is uh, unbelievable for um, soft tissue. So for like ligament thins, bones, uh, joints, TB-500 suggested to go direct into the area. BPC works systemically, uh, but those, those two, I've seen incredible results myself and on other people. Okay. 
All right. Um, more on peptides as we learn and experiment with it. And you're going to have some, and I actually think you're going to, some of the podcasts that you're going to be doing in London, you're talking to some people who know a thing or two about peptides as well. So, Right. Yeah. That'll be Dan. That'll be Dan for sure. Cause I'm going to book him to get on the podcast. I actually just kind of want to follow him around yeah. and listen to everything he says. Um, so I had him on the podcast. I think I talked about this. I had him on the podcast, uh, man, it's gotta be two years ago now. And I had no idea who he was. He was suggested and I was like, Oh cool. This guy sounds awesome. And we talked about his business and he kind of talked about his model a little bit, but he's very quiet and very modest. And I wasn't able to like pull it out of him. But now that I've known him for a couple of years and kind of got into his community a little bit, he's like Yoda. He's unbelievable. Call him Batman in his community and he's amazing. So I'm looking forward to getting him on here and digging into his brain a little bit. Um, yeah. So yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah. I'm really excited for the podcasts that are going to come out of your London trip because you've got a pretty stacked uh, schedule. So it's going to be awesome to see all that come out when you get back. Yeah. I'm excited to go to interview you know Dave Asprey and Aubrey de Grey and Dan Stickler and a number of other amazing guests. But I'm also super excited to get on London Real because I think that'll be fun. I think the listeners of this show you know, would want to hear me on there. So I'll mention yeah. that so you guys can watch out for it because you know I want to have their you know, one of their most highly downloaded podcasts, even though that'll be a challenge. Like I want to, I want to make sure we get a good presence over there and we can start spreading this message. Yeah, it's exciting. All right. One sort of quickish question, um, maybe before we end off this one, um, <laughs> I say quickish. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But quicker, maybe, I don't know. But I thought this was kind of an interesting one and maybe one that people wouldn't necessarily think to ask you, but a couple smart people did. So I wanted to get your thoughts on training and this could be weight training, but also just maybe walking, moving about exercise in general, barefoot. What are your thoughts on that? Well, have you seen any of my videos? That's all I do. Yeah. You, I'm barefoot yeah, 100% you, of the time. Literally. Right. 100% of the time when you're training? Yes. Like unless I'm on like a, a treadmill or a step mill, which is not often these days, but I'll probably be barefoot. Actually, that's maybe a lie only because I'll tell you about what I've been wearing on my feet. But yeah, so training barefoot, again, it's not for everybody, right? So if you have very weak feet and you've been wearing shoes for 30 years, the foot function is basically completely crippled, right? It's basically like having your hand in a cast for 30 years, right? The muscles just don't know what to do. So taking your shoes off mm -hmm. and walking around barefoot, expecting to be able to walk and run is a terrible idea. You're going to hurt your knees, you're going to hurt your hips, you're going to hurt your back. But microdosing, right? So like when you're training in the gym, if you're able to, you're not walking around at any particular crazy number of steps. So you can start paying attention to your gait and how you heel strike, or if you do heel strike and how you land and how you pronate and just paying attention because you're not moving around all that much. I wouldn't suggest walking and running barefoot until you know your feet are very, very strong, which takes practice. Most people are flat-footed, or at least many people are flat-footed. They're arches caved. If you're someone who's flat-footed, you're going to have knee, hip, and back problems. Like, without question. So starting to walk around barefoot really helped me as a previous 320 pound bodybuilder to develop an arch back into my feet, which kind of sounds, you know, most people are like, wow, like, yes, it came back. I have a significant arch now. I never had one as a bodybuilder because with so much weight and, and always wearing shoes, it fell and it caused like an internal rotation of my hip. I was constantly in this pronated position. My lower back started to hurt. So by getting my arch back and zero knee pain now, the path of my knee, the tracking of my knee when I'm training legs is perfect. So it's outside of the baby toe, the outside toe, not the big toe. 
it's just because I've been able to get that arch back. So if you think about you pull an arch into your foot, your whole hip externally rotates, right? So it turns your knee kind of out toward the baby toe a little bit. And now that knee can track properly over the little toe. So that's been huge. And my suggestion for everybody is spread your toes open. So when you're training, like learn how to kind of like, you know, if you were to open your fingers, open and close, open and close, you got to be able to do that. And you got to be able to pull them back off the ground and be able to stay like that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes in my videos, if anyone's like kind of neurotic about watching my videos, I actually have my videographer zoom in on my feet because I'm like, Hey man, I want people to see this, like point this out. So we'll have zoom, we'll zoom in on my feet. I'm like, even though you know nobody wants to look at my feet, I'm like, Hey, I want you guys to see that what I'm doing here because I'm spreading my toes and pulling them off the ground. It pulls me into this kind of supinated position of my feet, externally rotates my hips and my knees point out. And now my knees can track in the right position. So that's my rant about being barefoot. But I said, I'd tell you what you got, I'm wearing on my feet now that I'm super excited about. There's this company called Vivo Barefoot, no affiliation. You know, one of their, I guess, heads of marketing or something reached out and, and offered to send me some shoes. And I did, you know, transparently, they sent me some free shoes and I freaking love them. I feel like I'm wearing nothing on my feet. So I went back purchased some. So I purchased them. My kids have been wearing them for a long time, but I could never find a style that I liked, but they've come up with some really cool styles and you know, they're expensive, man. So I'm like, at first I was like, there's no way I'm trying these things. Cause they're like, mm. I don't know, $170 or something. I was like, there's no way I'm trying these shoes without like, and pay that amount of money and then hate them. And they're UK based companies. So I was like, well, there's no way that I'm going to ship them here. And then like, I, just, I know myself, I won't ship them back. So they'll sit in my house for two years. So I just didn't. And they generously sent me two pairs and mm -hmm. again, no affiliation right now at all. Uh, they're amazing. So yeah, I highly suggest those. It's just the difference between them and other flat shoes is it has a wider toe box. So it allows you to actually not have your toes compressed, which is important to the gait, right? So if you're walking and you have your toes compressed into this little toe box, the way you walk at your, through your foot, through your ankle will be altered. So the more kind of natural position is to have your toes a little bit spread open. So that's important for people to know. So that's why I like them. It literally feels like I'm wearing nothing and I'm pretty anti-shoe. So like stability into the floor is everything, right? When you're training, whether it be training upper body or lower body. So stability starts in your feet. And if you don't have it, you can't have a stable pelvis. You can't have a mm -hmm. stable trunk. You can't have a stable scapula. So the first thing I have people do is just ground into the floor. First of all, Ben, some people probably do want to see your feet because the internet's a weird place. So I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> I'm not even going to tell you those uh, stories. There's actually some stories there, Ash. So as a bodybuilder, you can bet I got some weird, oh, weird people. Oh, yeah. I can only, as a living female human, I relate <laughs> to getting weird comments and questions. And yeah, so I totally understand. But it's actually, this is interesting timing because literally yesterday, I've always tried to, um, basically since I got out of my early 20s and I decided that wearing high heels wasn't necessarily worth it, except for once in a blue moon, I've really tried to make an effort to wear either very, very flat shoes, um, like zero kind of drop shoes, even when I'm running and things like that. And also working out barefoot when I can. But yesterday, because I spent the summer out of the gym because I wanted to be out of the gym and I was doing some other things for fun and exercise instead of being in a meathead gym. But I went back as of a week ago because I was missing it. And I decided just sort of out of the blue, like I want to kind of almost start from scratch a little bit in terms of like squatting and like the major lifts that I like to do. And I did some squatting yesterday barefoot. And I will say I'm smart about this. Like I'm not just going to like go in and try to do my max like with no shoes on 
on or whatever. Um, so I had very lightweight. I focused a lot on form and I paid attention and focus. But the difference just in how you feel connected to the ground and even the weight and the movement that you're doing when you don't have shoes on, even minimal shoes, it's really significant. And I have also played around a little bit with like doing kind of minor conditioning movement cardio um, barefoot. Like I try to walk outside barefoot when I can, but even sometimes I'll do a little bit of like treadmill stuff, like really high incline, kind of slower walking, just so I can feel my feet and feel my gait, as you were saying. And it's really, really important because I think like my feet, like my toe spread situation, terrible. Like I can barely do it. And that's after a decade probably of really trying to wear proper footwear. And I'm still suffering from like a lifetime of wearing kind of shittier shoes. Um, It's kind of ironic that term proper footwear, right? We're probably not meant to wear anything. So the closer you can get or the more time you can spend wearing nothing. So I'm going to give you a little bump here. So you have one of my favorite social media profiles. Like I love watching your stuff. Oh. So I want everyone to go over and follow you because you actually have great posts, great thoughtful posts. And you're not, you know, I'm not going to say you're not the selfie queen, but you're, you're not, you're not doing all, yeah, we do it sometimes, but a little bit, it's a big structure, but you do it much less than most people and yeah. you're actually providing value. So uh, for any listeners that aren't listening to or aren't following uh, the muscle maven, head over and do that because you know, you've got awesome insights and, and awesome you know comments and what you're doing is awesome. And you're, even your stories, uh, and I don't read anybody's, what well, listen to anybody's stories, but when I do spend my 15 minutes a day on Instagram, you're one of those people that I often check out because you're always doing something interesting. You got, you got a great life, and I think you know, people would enjoy following you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And today's post, actually, I'm barefoot in it. What are the odds? So people can make all their weird comments if they want to because I don't have any yeah. shoes on. <laughs> Ben, thank you so much for that. I really, really appreciate it. It's a pleasure as always chatting with you. And uh, yeah, I guess we can end off now before you get going to all your other uh, responsibilities that you have today. But just a reminder that they can reach out to you, obviously, on Instagram, not only at your BPAC Fitness, but also the Muscle Intelligence podcast Instagram account, because sometimes you're posting kind of questions and stuff there that you aren't necessarily posting on your main account. So I think that's worth people checking out. And then also they can ask questions to you via me on Instagram at the Muscle Maven because I might see them faster. Yeah. And if you go to muscleintelligence.com slash podcast, we actually have the ability to send in audio clips now. So we haven't incorporated the ability to use the audio clips in here yet, but actually does get those. And so mm-hmm. we've had a lot of people sending questions in. So uh, we're definitely going to be using those questions as often as possible. And those are often the questions that we do use. So we'll send those in guys and I'll always do my best to get back to you, sometimes even the form of audio or video. And a lot of people get that and they're kind of surprised that I take the time to do that. But sometimes that's just easier than typing for me. And I want to be personal, right? A lot of people ask mm-hmm. personal questions. So I'll give you a personal response if I have the time. And if it's a great question, because a lot of people just ask like, hey, man, can you tell me how to build muscle? Or like, hey, man, can you write me a four-week workout? Or like, hey, man, tell me how to take steroids. And I'm like, dude, fucking leave me alone, <laughs> right? But if someone asks a good question that actually warrants a response, yeah. I'll, nine times out of 10, I'll give a response. Like if it's, if it's there. Um, so if you guys have legitimate questions, either we'll use them on the podcast or I'll do my best to respond. And that's not a promise that I'll respond to everybody because that's impossible. But uh, if I'm on social media or, you know, usually I'm traveling somewhere and then an Uber or something, I'll get in and respond. Mm-hmm. And we've got a couple actually good ones. Maybe we'll, we'll throw those on for the next episode. Cause yeah, we've got some good ones lined up. Yeah. So in wrapping up, I want to tell you guys about uh, how muscle intelligence is evolving and what we're going to have for you guys coming soon. So not just the podcast, but the website. So I've finished finally my body part specialization guides, which you guys can all have for free. They're not available yet, but I wanted to kind of 
um, let you guys know that they're coming, they're finished, they're designed, and they're ready to go. We're just building out the pages right now. So it should be, maybe even by the time this podcast is out, if you guys go to muscleintelligence.com, the top of the page, you're going to see all the different body parts listed. So if you're having a hard time building a body part, I've gone ahead and put together a guide for each body part, absolutely free. Drop your email in there, you get it for free. You can also pick up some workouts for that body part that I've written myself that are awesome. So if you have a hard time building a body part, and I'm finishing up my six pillar guides. So I've got the six pillars of lean, healthy, and muscular body, which is obviously intelligent training, stress and HRV, mindset or mental mastery, sleep, your environment and nutrition are my six. And uh, so I'll be finishing docs around like, hey, this is how I view this. And this is how you guys should maybe think about approaching this stuff. And I try not to be dogmatic. I try to just apply a thought process or teach you a thought process. So that's going to be coming up soon. That may be a little longer but all coming soon to muscleintelligence.com. You can head over there to, to pick up any of the programs that we sell. So uh, the Ketogenic Muscle Building Program is crushing it right now. We're doing really, really well with Danny Vega. I've got the Hypertrophy Mastery, which is kind of this four-month uh, body part mastery program, which is amazing. And, you know, kind of the best work that I've done in the last couple of years is in there. And we're always going to be looking to update it. And then you can also get the foundational programs, which is MI40 Foundation, MI40X, and the Incredible Bulk, which is not necessarily a bulk. It's an intelligent approach to cyclical nutrition. So maybe not correctly named. But uh, all those things are available there at muscleintelligence.com or if you go to muscleintelligence.com slash podcast, you can check out this podcast, the show notes, and uh, all of our sponsor shout outs are there. So if you're missing a code or if you want to find a code, go to muscleintelligence.com slash podcast and you'll find the code in the show notes. Thanks, Ben. You're the best. Thank you so much for tuning into Muscle Intelligence. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it with at least one person you know. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. The statements and views on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Ben Pikulski and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements or advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest and products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.